0: This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.
1: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. And it's playoff time, the greatest time of the year for basketball fans. My name is Sheldon Alexander, joined once again by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, man?
0: Hey, playoffs are, like you said it, man, playoffs are here. So, some of these series are grinders, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's great to see some of these playoff performances, man. How about Drew Holiday the other night?
1: You know what? I was explaining that. I was having a conversation today with someone at work about that series, because I was just saying, you know, it might be like a basketball nerd thing, you know to just to be into the Pelicans versus Blazers right like there's names there Anthony Davis is a name obviously Dame Lillard is a name but to sell someone late night after you probably already watched, you know, an early basketball game or maybe you watched some hockey playoffs. Maybe you were watching the Red Hot Jays or something, you know, to sell a late night. Red Hot Phillies or the Red Hot Phillies. Or well, did you say Mets? Is that what you said? I think you said the Mets, I did, right? not, <laughs> I did not say the Mets. Look out.
0: Oh, Phillies are in the rear view, man. Phillies are in the rear view right now. But you
1: know what I'm saying? After you watch a lot right. of sports early, it's a tough sell to then stay up late for that late night first round game two do you know what i mean
0: right so especially when some of the matchups are you're talking like eight ones two two sevens like teams that are far apart we're seeing that in a couple of series as well which i'm sure we'll get to but it's really nice when you get those nice even first round matchups man
1: and i mean we thought this was going to be an even first round matchup but it's that that blazers pelly series is just it's lights out Pellies right now no like
0: it's having the best player in the series on your on your side, man. That's what you need to have. It's
1: crazy. We'll get a little bit more into that in a second, but I think you know, webby, we'll we'll quickly go over what's going on with the Raptors now just because, you know, I'll say this much, okay? Raptors won in game one. I think it was fairly fairly simple, you know, nothing nothing too crazy so far in this series.
0: I, I don't know. I think the the response from Kyle and Demar in the second half, mm-hmm. after kind of starting the way that a lot of fans and a lot of analysts thought that the Raptors would start in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and to be like to stare that down and to turn it around and get the kind of win that they got yeah. uh, in Game One, I thought that was big, and I thought it set the tone for Game Two really well.
1: Do you know what? It was funny to see the panic after the first half of Game One because I think Kyle and Demar, I think they. Combined took like seven shots in the first half or something like that. And it was just a a bad performance. But it was funny to see the reaction on Twitter because everyone, all Raptor fans, media, everyone's jumping on them so quickly, like, uh oh, here we go again. And then, you know, they turn it on in the second half, as you said, and things got back to normal and continued right into game two. But do you know what my, my like most annoyed, the thing that annoys me the most about the playoffs, or I guess more so this era of, Uh, social media, you have a corner. You have a corner, right? Webby, follow me here for a second, right? You have a a corner of people who are talking about what's happening right now. You know what I mean? So, Lowry and DeRozan are struggling, and there's people that are going to be like, oh no, Lowry and DeRozan are struggling right now. Okay? Which is fine. That's what's happening in the moment. Then you have the other corner of people that are just there to troll, to try to call out people for being wrong. And it's like, Do you know what I mean? Like, so as soon as the second half happened, there's so many people tweeting, oh, what happened to all those people that were chirping the Raptors in the first half? And it's like, you're not chirping what was happening. You're just (laughs) saying what was going on in the game, right? Like, if you're struggling, you're struggling. Like, that's what the storyline is. Did they come back in the second half? Yeah. And then that's what that storyline is. You know what I mean? Like, there's a corner that's just waiting to, like, pounce on people who are wrong.
0: I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Why? Uh, why it makes you the better person to uh, point out? You know that. Like, I, I think it's totally fair. Like you say, to say, "Hey, wow, Kyle and Demar came out slow," and then to get the blowback. It's like, well, it, like you say, exactly. They came out slow. Yeah,
1: but who cares, man? And it's also, who it's cares? also just like you know, the the being quick to call other people out, but you never having an opinion yourself. Do you know, like it's, it's, it's so weird, but anyways, DeMar and Kyle come back hard, especially DeMar, what he put up 40 in game two, like that was a great performance by DeMar DeRozan. Also just something to, to, it's weird to say that you could have a quiet performance that DeMar did, but it wasn't like he was ball dominating or anything like that in game two. You know what I mean? But he put up, he put up a nice night. It,
0: but you know what? It was kind of what I was saying last week. I mean, they couldn't. I, I don't think that the Raptors could have gotten a more favorable round one opponent mm-hmm. to play into their strengths. The Wizards, their bench, they like, they don't have one, <laughs> and it's the it, it's the strength of the Raptors. And and then the other thing is, is that after a, a pretty slow first half and trying to slow down John Wall in the transition game, mm-hmm. I thought they did a way better job of that in the second in the second game. You know, is to making it into a half-court game. That's going to that's gonna benefit the Raptors and the deep team that they have. And how about Casey? We said that, you know, in the playoffs, this is where you shorten your bench. I think he used 13 players in game two.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, first, I'll correct myself. DeMar had 37 points. Whatever. You got the point. We round up here. We round up. You got the point. Unpolished and unapologetic, right? Um, but here's the thing. You're, you're totally right about the how many people they're still playing. But... I just hope that it doesn't like it almost burned them, I think, right? Like I don't know if there's a need to see Lorenzo Brown in that game. No knock on Lorenzo Brown, G League MVP, you earned all your minutes, you're you're there, cool. But it was just weird. And I felt like the lead the lead was almost twenty and then it got to like fifteen. Then it was like ten, right? But it was it was like, okay, time to bring back Kyle and Damar. And it's like, oh no, we're still rolling with Lorenzo Brown here. And it got down to like six.
0: But no, I think it was like 10 or eight. It, got, it definitely the, what got I'm under 10, that, but I
1: know what you're saying, yeah. What I'm saying though is that that's what
0: you have those bench guys for is that, that it only got down to single digits or it got down to 10 points or whatever because at one point it was at 30. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, you're right. So it's,
0: You're right. So it's like, it's like why even bother with putting more minutes on Kyle and DeMar when you don't have to? Mm-hmm. Bring in Lorenzo Brown. Bring in Bay. do whatever you can to elongate the bench as as much as you can in the playoffs to give added rest to your starters. Because as we know, you know, when the playoffs get going and the Raptors are in for a deep run, you're going to at some point not play 13 guys, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess, you know, you're, you're right in the sense that it's still against Washington. Washington is a team that, I mean, to be honest, as soon as I saw Ty Lawson, check into the game, yes. I was like, this yes. series is over, <laughs> right? I was, like, Dude is fresh off a stint in the Chinese league where he's putting up like 25 points a night. I was like, if that's what you are relying on as one of the first guys off your bench in the first round of the NBA playoffs, this series is over. Cause that's not, and it's not even a knock on Ty Lawson cause he actually played all right. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying if those, if that's the extent that you're going to, to salvage your season in the first round, you're in trouble. And yeah, yeah, I think Washington's in trouble. I think they're going home and they'll probably win one of the games, you know, but overall, I just think the Raptors are too much for them. And what about playoff surge? (laughs) Right? Like, Serge Ibaka has been rolling, and I got to be honest because I was hard on Serge all season. Right? I
0: was gonna say he was one of the guys that you were uh, that you weren't happy about. You said that
1: Serge got a ball if if the Raptors want to be really good. You were thinking about putting him on the bench. Yep, I was saying that they should. There are points in the season where I was calling for Siakam to be starting ahead of him. I was calling for Serge's head. Like it's totally true, and I got to admit it. I got to eat some of that now because Serge has been falling in in the playoffs he's been
0: great
1: he's been great that first game against washington first game against washington surge puts up what 23 and 12 just a crazy crazy performance and then followed that up with 10 and 9 so like pretty much back-to-back double doubles he has just been on a complete roll everything that's been going on for surge so far he he just can't be stopped he can't be stopped
0: it it's incredible now it's going to be interesting too like Listen, hey, Scotty Brooks isn't the best coach, but you got to imagine that the lineup's going to get tinkered with a little bit there in Washington. Maybe they try to go small and uh, try and uh, play in a way that Jonas Valanciunas may not be a big factor. Mm-hmm. But the way that Serge is playing, I think that even if you go small, he'd be a great he'd be a great u- a piece to have in the unit that you put out there against a smaller lineup. Put him at the five, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally right. I think the the Wizards need to play small. And I think most of that might be because I think Gortat is washed. Like Gortat might be actually done. Yeah. The amount of layups that Gortat missed, I think he, he himself, I feel like I watched him miss like five layups in game two alone. Right. And so yeah. it, it's tough. They might have to go Even, small, but then that almost plays into the Raptors' hands as well with Surge and JV playing pretty well so far. And and not only that, but the fact that, you know, you're taking away your shot blockers, which just creates more lanes, driving lanes for Demar going to the basket, for OG going to the basket, shouts to OG also playing well. Ooh,
0: absolutely, man. So He is not afraid of the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the level of worry right now, I think, is, is pretty low in Raptor land, and I mean, I, I can't see the series going past five. At the start of the series, I said Raptors in six. But, I mean, I don't even know if it'll go that far, to be honest, Webby.
0: No, no. I, I said sweeper uh, or a five-gamer if we get some John Wall heroics. but uh, So I'm sticking with that.
1: Um, the other big thing going on with the Raptors, though, is Fred Van Fleet. He tried to play, give it a go in game two, and that didn't yeah, really last three long minutes? at all, right?
0: three minutes or something
1: yeah he had to come back out but in his absence shouts to uh cj or cj miles and delon Wright. those two guys delon
0: Wright is so good
1: well we talk so much about again how much how many players have been playing off the bench but i think way more important is just the contributions that you are getting from maybe two or three guys you know what i mean i think like you know we'll say 13 guys played but norm's playing like three minutes you know Bebe might play ten. Like that doesn't to me it's not like that's not the big deal. I think like the production you're getting out of CJ Miles and especially Delon Wright. And the underrated part about Delon Wright, Webby, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Delon Wright swung that game one, not so much with his scoring, but because he was able to slow down John Wall. John Wall wasn't getting to the basket nearly as easily when Delon Wright was guarding him.
0: No, you're absolutely right. But that we've known that about Delon for a long time is that his his defensive ability is right up there with anybody else in the league.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Everything's going well for the Raptors. And again, uh, game four was Friday night. Game five is Sunday. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if Washington if Washington will make it to Monday unless it's uh, what's the uh, what's the old Charles Barkley TNT 123 Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the chant for Washington come uh, come Sunday night's game. But let's move on to a, a team that I think uh, you're fairly familiar with, the Philadelphia 76ers. As it looks like they're about to win game three as we record right now. But obviously the big talk, the big talk is about the big man, Webby. JoJo, back in the lineup. Talk to me.
0: Well, uh, listen, he looked really good tonight too. He got off to a slow start. I mean, that mask was a little weird to begin with. I think he had some problems with the fogging up or whatever did you see uh justice winslow step on his mask as well
1: <laughs> right like this series is getting kind of chippy right you saw like d wade and justin anderson was it getting into it yeah
0: right um, james johnson was getting into it with Saric and with uh simmons as well
1: yeah so it, things are getting a little chippy and you know obviously we know jojo jojo's gonna take his antics to social media now that he's back but you know before we get to that, though, what did you make of the whole keeping him out for the first two games of the series and then him obviously taking it to Twitter where he wasn't really happy about it at all? Sorry, I'm mixing up my social media platforms. He took it to <laughs> Instagram and said, I'm effing sick and tired of being babied. Webby, do you think that the Sixers were babying him?
0: You know what? The thing with Joel is that he has an unfortunate history with injuries. Mm-hmm. And so this thing, and especially a concussion and the orbital bone, that's nothing to mess around with. So, you know what, I don't mind them holding him out the first two games. I also don't mind him being frustrated and voicing that frustration. You know, I mean, I wouldn't want to be babied either if I saw my teammates in the playoffs and think that I'm ready enough to contribute uh, through this injury. And I think that the coaches and the the upper brass listen to him. And with good reason, he was really good tonight.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I understand the res the reason for them to to you know hesitate and, and not rush him back. But the one thing that was weird about it was obviously it's a facial injury, right? And so his nothing was wrong with his vision, so his vision was fine. And so what could really have been better? between tonight's game as in thursday and then whenever game two was you know what i mean like how much really changed in terms of his physical condition to me the only thing that should have been keeping him out of the lineup is are you waiting for the mask to come in or are you waiting for the mask to be approved by the league or something like that do you know what i mean right that could that kind of was the only thing that i could think of that if i were in charge in philly what would be holding him back from from letting him go? But you're totally right. The best part about it is you want your star to be, you know, like angry, upset that he's not trying to come back. Especially when you know uh, you look at the Spurs and see what's going on with Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> or right?
0: or that is to say, you don't see Kawhi
1: Leonard. Exactly, exactly, right. Exactly my point, right? You much rather see uh, Joel Embiid being out of the lineup and begging to play, as opposed to yeah. Kawhi Leonard not even being with the team, right? exactly uh but that series though game two was a thing d wade giving miami miami fans one last hurrah
0: yeah i would say one last hurrah is is your key term there (laughs) like you're not gonna get like you used to be able to get that every game in the playoffs from Dwayne wade but not anymore it's a little bit of that south beach magic for sure great but he's not gonna be doing that every night and and listen if i'm the sixers If he wants to shoot those, I'm going to play defense on him, but he can hoist up those shots as much as he wants.
1: The thing that was so crazy about it was I think you, as a basketball fan, you would assume that maybe D. Wade would have you know, a shot, a big shot left in him. But the fact that he was able to to really carry that game out, and it was weird that he he said Kevin Hart really got to him. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, he was was talking big junk on Kevin Hart.
1: (laughs) Kevin Hart and AI just sitting in that corner, and they kept showing AI, and he's like mouthing the words, that's a bad motherfucker, (laughs) when D-Wade was scoring. (laughs) I'm like, shouts to AI. Uh, I mean, it's good to see one last hurrah from D-Wade, because this is probably going to be his last season. A lot of people are assuming it could be his last season, so it's good that he had like kind of one last signature D-Wade thing, but now that JoJo's back, I think the talent is just way too much for the Sixers over Miami, right? Like, we know what JoJo and and, uh, obviously your boy Ben Simmons are capable of doing, but the fact that everything else is just shooters on deck, whether it's Saric, whether it's Rocco, whether it's Bellinelli, right? Like, Ilya Sova. I know Ursan's your guy, Webby. Can Can the Sixers be stopped here, like, seriously, at full strength?
0: Well, it's funny because it's like as much as you say that the Sixers roll out shooters, after shooters, after shooters, it seems like the Heat roll out long, athletic guys you can play defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's they they have a whole lineup of that. So, I mean, it, and for 3 quarters tonight, they did a really good job of playing good defense on guys like you say Bellinelli, Ilyosova, JJ Redick. But the thing is is that the talent of those two guys of of Simmons and Embiid I think is just going to be enough to put them over I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat make it a longer series even six maybe seven Mm -hmm. because the Sixers are so young yeah but but I just think that that talent of those two players is going to be a little too much uh, uh, for those uh, great defenders that the Heat have
1: you know it's super interesting now too as you look ahead to I mean I know it's kind of early and you don't really want to get thinking about things that early in terms of what's going to happen in the next round. But with the bucks being up or being down, sorry, the bucks being down 2-0 to Boston, you kind of got to think ahead now. And like, if we're looking at the Sixers and Celtics, but the Celtics might be a better version of Miami. Does that make sense? in, yeah. in, in yeah. terms of just like a grittier team, you know, they still have like longer and more athletic dudes to play defense, but
0: Just not quite as deep as Miami, I think.
1: Yeah, not as deep, but, you know, if you're replacing Winslow and Richardson with Jalen Brown and Tatum, do you know what I mean? Like, those guys can give you a lot more offensively, which might give the the Sixers a lot more problems, but, I mean, if we stay to the first round, they're definitely giving the Milwaukee Bucks problems. What is going on there, Webby? I know you picked the Celtics. I picked the Bucks, so... I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you stun on me here for a bit, Webby. What, what's going on in this series?
0: I said it before, coaching. <laughs> I mean, like the Bucks next year, they can bring in. Like the other thing is Eric Bledsoe, mm-hmm. and we need to have a series talk about Eric Bledsoe.
1: Yeah, about,
0: definitely. and we really need to ask ourselves: Is Eric Bledsoe good? Okay. Because C- I don't think Eric Bledsoe is that good. He's getting. Torched yeah. right now in this series by Teddy Rozier.
1: Yeah,
0: torched like, and and I thought Bledsoe was supposed to be a, a, an elite defender. I thought he was supposed to be somebody who could be a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he, he doesn't make his teammates better, and he and he's like I said, getting torched by Teddy Rozier,
1: and he's sulking about it too. So for people that don't know what's been yeah, going he's on, he's getting
0: mad buttered. Oh
1: yeah, what's been going on in the post game? Uh, Terry Rozier in the his. Post game, I think in game one, referred to Eric Bledsoe as Drew Bledsoe, to which (laughs) the following game when Eric Bledsoe was interviewed, Eric Bledsoe was asked about Terry Rozier and Bledsoe claimed that he didn't know who Terry Rozier was, which is clearly a lie. But I think the best uh, the best reaction to that came from the TNT crew because they're just the best at everything. And Barkley yeah. just flat out on TV was like, well, he better know who Terry Rozier is because he's kicking his ass. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. back-to-back games, what did they right? say?
0: Yeah, you're it was Jalen Rose said he he knows who Rozier is because he sees the name on the jersey go by him every time. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. That's
1: pretty good. That is pretty good. But it, it's just such a crazy thing. And you asked, is Eric Bledsoe good? I think Eric Bledsoe is one of those guys who might be one of the shining examples of how quickly the game in the NBA has changed, right? And so being able to get your mid range shot off, which I think Eric Bledsoe is pretty good at, he's good at getting to the basket, but you know, he could get his mid range game off. He's a tough, like gritty defender, but basically. If you're not a very good three-point shooter as a point guard, you're going to struggle in the NBA now, in today's NBA, right? And he's not really that good of a shooter, but even on top of that, the way that Milwaukee plays, it's just really weird still, right? It's very uh, old NBA, for lack of a better term. It's not really the ball movement and the space and pace type thing and shooting threes, and I think Bledsoe gets caught up in that because you know, he's not going to shoot a high percentage from the floor and he's not going to get enough touches really to get his buckets to where his stat line doesn't look horrible. You know what I mean? If he's going to get you 20 points, he's probably going to need like 15 shots or something to get right. there. You know, I don't know. It, it's tough, man, because he's getting outplayed a lot. And you're right about the coaching, Webby. You're totally right about the coaching, because what Bledsoe's strengths are, or what Terry Rozier's strengths are, might not be that different but the difference is Brad Stevens is is as we were seeing does a way better job of putting Terry Rozier in positions to succeed whereas the bucks still don't know what they're doing with that roster from a coaching perspective.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right. Man, it's night and day in terms of uh, of the coaching.
1: The Celtics, man, like I just can't believe how like they're just so in control of that game and even how crazy game 1 ended
0: yeah which was not unbelievable
1: and here's the so thing much, about
0: so much fun and
1: here's the thing about the nba playoffs right sometimes when those games come down to overtime and you lose it as a team that already you know that you're going to have to overcome so much you know that is such a huge blow it's almost like losing two games and we'll get to it in a second but it's like you know the pacers for example they were so close to winning game 2 and if they win Game Two and they're up two nothing, you got LeBron James and company in a deep, deep hole. But instead, the, you miss a couple open shots late. The Cavs win, and now it's one one, and LeBron is okay. You know what I mean? Like wow. it, it's still no, no, no. Follow me for a second. It's still going to be a tough series, but it's a lot different than yo. Know, you had them down, and it would have been two nothing going home. That's a huge difference than it being one one against LeBron James. And I think the same thing kind of happened to the Bucks, where you know. If they won that first game, and of course it was crazy that it even went to overtime because I haven't seen a Middleton, I haven't seen Middleton or anyone hit a shot like that in the playoffs since what? The Derek Fisher? The Derek Fisher yes. shot against the Spurs? That's
0: exactly what I thought.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Do you think the Bucks have any chance of coming back?
0: I don't. No, I don't. I think that series is over. Does
1: it go, what, four or five? Do they five win a game? or six? They win one of those games? I home think maybe games? they.
0: I think maybe they win one of those home games, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that series looks like, I mean, I thought it was going to be Bucks and seven, that's what I called, and of course the Bucks are going home, but it just hasn't looked good for them at all as, you know, the Celtics ran away with game two, so maybe Milwaukee, that home crowd, can get them juiced up for the next game, but... Unless something drastic happens, unless there's like some massive adjustment coming from a Bucks coaching staff that hasn't really proven <laughs> to be that type of team, it might they might be in trouble.
0: But now we got to talk about the Cavs, and I want to know how worried you are on a scale of one to ten Listen, that man. the Cavs are going to lose this series.
1: Here's on a scale of one to ten, four. Here's a thing You're that not, here's the thing that I don't understand. Okay. For the whole season, we watched that when LeBron James tries, they're going to win. And I'm not saying he didn't. Obviously, he tried in game one, right? That's not what I'm saying. But when he, I'll put it to you like this. I listen to the Dan Labatard radio show every day, right? But this morning, I was behind. So I was listening to the episode from the day before where they were teeing up the Cavs matchup, right? And Zach right. Lowe, who is one of the best NBA writers, we've talked about him before on this podcast, right? He was on their show, and this and this is heading into game two, remember. And Zach Lowe said, you know, the one thing about the Pacers is that so far they've had Bogdanovich guarding lebron and you look at it sometimes and lebron gets that ball on the post and you think he can blow by him anytime he wants he can get to the bucket and score anytime he wants so why doesn't he just do that every time i think that's what he's got to do right from the get-go that's pretty much what zach lowe said and then you watch how that game started and lebron comes out on a 16-0 run lebron himself not the Cavs. lebron on a 16-0 run and to me i'm just like okay like it's, it's LeBron. Unless you can come up with a way to stop him, he just needs one other dude to be on, and the Cavs, like it'll be tough, but they're going to win. They're going to win this
0: series. So, so you're not worried about LeBron putting up 50 points every game for them to win?
1: No, because he can do that. I mean, it'll be tough. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna win in five. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying they're gonna win the series. I'm not worried about them winning the series because I just think you know the the real issue that I'm seeing with them right now is Rodney Hood and George Hill still haven't really gotten used to how you have to play with LeBron James. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I just think that it seems like only of those new guys. Like Larry Nance is the only one who's really taken to how to play with LeBron. Even Clarkson is a little slow to learn how you got to play with the king, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And Clarkson at least has the benefit of he's playing with the bench a lot more. So maybe LeBron won't be on the floor or at least he knows that if it's just him and LeBron on the floor, then, okay, well, I got to get mine. I kind of got to score. But I feel like Rodney Hood, and, and I know this might sound weird, but you know how Oladipo looks like a completely different person now than he did with playing with Russell Westbrook. I think yeah. it's difficult to play with LeBron James, just like it's difficult to play with Russell Westbrook, and it's it's just in two different ways. Just because they're ball dominating guys, and with LeBron, you're not going to know when LeBron needs you to go right. Like I think you got to you, you kind of had to get used to it, right? Because you're you're playing with LeBron, especially if you're a guard or you're a point guard used to handling the ball. You kind of got to try to be reading when he's going to go, when he's going to be literally standing at the top of the key and calling out plays and calling out directing traffic, and when he's just really going to pass you the ball and he's just going to stand at the other side of the court because he wants you to just cook. And I, and I don't think those guys have gotten used to that yet. And Ronnie Hood, you see it in spurts, but not real, not nearly enough yet. And I just think they'll get there, right? Kevin Love, they they... They, caught a huge they gotta break. hope
0: that. It, it, all right. So, do we know what's up with the hand? Did they say?
1: I saw that it was like I think Dave McMenamin said that he might have a torn tendon in his left hand, but it's not anything like he's gonna play in game three. He'll play through it, right? Like it's not anything.
0: Because if he goes down, then I think it's really over.
1: For sure. They definitely need Kevin Love because obviously he is their top guy with that ability to go for 25 that can take the scoring load off LeBron, right? But the biggest difference was they they inserted Kyle Korver and uh, J.R. Smith into the starting lineup, right? And if you think about it, those guys are, what, a lot more familiar with playing with LeBron James, right? And you know what's a funny experiment? Watch Kyle Korver on the court. Because it's so interesting to see while LeBron is doing his thing on one side of the court, Kyle Korver's just standing there with his hands up ready <laughs> because he knows at any moment LeBron can zip a pass across the court, and he just has to be ready to just let that go. And I, I don't know. I think they'll be fine. Their biggest issue is how do you slow down Oladipo?
0: It is amazing how much he looks and plays like Russell
1: Westbrook. Right? It, it i'm glad you said that right because everyone keeps crushing russ and saying like how bad it was for him to play to play with russ last year because you know russ held him down or whatever
0: no it but, was like going to westbrook university
1: exactly kind of like my guy jimmy garoppolo right going to Tom Brady yeah university, brady you brady right but you know what i mean webby you're you're totally right with that i think oladipo he just looks so confident he looks so so ready to just get buckets and it doesn't matter who's guarding them on the pick and roll. It can be LeBron. It can be whoever I think inserting Jr. Smith, just, you know, Jr. kind of gave him a different look and that might've slowed him a exactly. little or enough maybe, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not worried about the Cavs that much just cause okay. same thing. It's LeBron. Okay. What do you like with the Pacers so far? What do you see in other than Oladipo?
0: Well, Collison, I'm really been impressed with Collison. Mm hmm. Um, Given good solid D, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I thought that it was going to be like a little more. And like Lance has done his uh, his Lance things (laughs) and and been very very entertaining. And I thought they might be able to get a little more of him. But I think that Collison's like really stepped up into what they need from a second guard there. Yeah, I I think he's been great. Oh yeah it's it's very interesting too and miles turner hitting threes i know that's something that he put into his game this year but i hadn't watched a lot of indiana yeah and just to see him stroke it from deep that's an awesome thing to for a guy like miles turner to add to your repertoire if you can like protect the rim on one end and stroke it from outside at the other that's like your poor formula
1: yo miles turner is really good you're so right about that i think you know, if not for maybe Drew Holiday, Miles Turner might be having the, the biggest coming out party for someone who we know is okay, but you're kind of really seeing their their full skill set. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the Pacers will give them a go. And and I want to see what happens to this Pacers team next year and the year after, after they, you know, kind of kind of get another year to gel together, figure some things out, maybe make a couple switches to their lineup or whatever. But as long as they keep Lance, everything's cool, right?
0: Yeah. So it's like it's so funny, man, like for Lance to be really like the um the face of your franchise. <laughs> like now that Paul George is gone, like yeah, Victor Oladipo for sure, but it seems like I know Lance went to like four teams in two years or whatever it was, but he just seems to me like he is the epitome of the Indiana Pacers. It's just He's who I think about.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and what of game one that Lance had, right? That dunk, and then he's bashing his head against a stanchion. After he Yo, makes that a dunk. dunk was
0: mean. <laughs>
1: Yo, Lance.
0: the dunk was mean. Did you see
1: Lance's outfit, by the way, when he came into game two? I didn't. I don't even know how to describe it. It almost looked like he was wearing, like, some Power Rangers-type pants, <laughs> <laughs> right? Then he had, like, this jacket that just looked like it had a lot of weird like huge massive patches on it that were like sewn on and it had like Born Ready written all over it. It was a That's very, exact. very just Lance look. I don't even know how to put it. I really don't know how to describe guy. It. But this will be one of those things where on an audio medium, we tell you to Google something and look it up.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? That's good pod.
1: That's a great podcast right there. Um, <laughs> but that I think will segue us. We just went over the Eastern Conference, right? And I think, you know, we, we we think the Raptors are in cruise control. We both Yeah, think, we
0: like the Raptors. We like the Sixers.
1: Yeah, we think the Sixers are gonna take control. Now that JoJo's back, they stole game not stole game three, but they won game three fairly comfortably with JoJo back in the lineup in Miami. I think that's a big look for them to kind of take a take hold of the series, no?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then we need JJ Reddick to take more of Marco Bellinelli's shots. <laughs>
1: And then uh the other two series Boston seems to be taking control they're up 2 nothing and you know unless something drastic happens it could be bye bye for the Bucks but you know we'll Listen, see what their unless home crowd Brad has Stevens,
0: get, unless Brad Stevens gets kidnapped.
1: <laughs> yes. And I think the LeBron LeBron versus the Pacers series I think that's going to be a long series. I,
0: I I yeah, I I called that one being seven games.
1: Yeah, I mean I called Cavs in five. I think that's what I said at the start of the series. And now looking at it, yeah, I mean the, the Pacers are are real. Like they're not gonna back down. I think their toughness, like that's the biggest thing that you're seeing. Cause for you to take that blow from LeBron and LeBron had I think 29 in the first half, and you're down 20, and to come back and be within a shot of tying the game at the very end, yeah, this series is gonna go long. I still think the Cavs win, but it's going at least six, I think, right? Let's switch gears, though, Webby, to the Wild, Wild Western Conference where, you know, we're getting blowouts, right? Like, if you look at the three series, the only, well, of the four series, the only one that's kind of close so far is the OKC and Utah series, right? Kind of close. Is that what? Is it 2 1 now Utah? No, no, no. That series is at 1 1.
0: It's at one one, sorry. Yeah. That's right. They've only played two games. Yeah,
1: they've only played two games. This is the NBA where they stretch out everything, right? <laughs> right. And
0: it's now so confusing. Some teams have played three, others have played two. I'm I'm lost.
1: It's okay, Webby. That's why that's why I'm here. I'm here to help, Webby. I'm here to help.
0: Good. So to guide me through.
1: Yes. So so that series, we can start there. That series has been exceptional so far. Two great games. I'd say yes. first game, you got to give up to playoff P as Paul George went crazy. He had, what, eight threes in that game.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's insane. A
1: great performance. But then game two, the rook, Donovan Mitchell, I know you got love for Simmons, but Donovan Mitchell put on a show in that game too, Webby. This has been a great just, series.
0: Just because I got love for Simmons doesn't mean that I don't also love watching Donovan Mitchell play. Yeah. And he was excellent he was excellent and now the other thing too was we were talking about that series and about how great the uh just the big behemoth down low would be mm-hmm. and man it, that hasn't that it's been just as good as advertised
1: for sure and you know who's better than i thought he was favors favors is better than i thought he was he's really yeah, solid too. he's a really solid big guy he's super skilled as well i think i saw him knock down like a a, a deep i think i saw him knock down a three maybe like Like he just seems like a very skilled big man that can do a lot more things than I thought. I thought he was just kind of like a bully rebounder type. But he's got
0: a little finesse.
1: Yeah, their interior passing is really good too. There are a lot of plays where they'd get the ball and in either one, whether it was Gobert or Favors, you could see there were skilled passers in the sense that they would hold the ball and draw the defense before giving it up to their other big to get an easy layup or dunk. And I was really impressed with how well they played, but that's a well-coached team as well, right?
0: Yeah, it is. It is.
1: Uh, Ricky Rubio, too, seems to be... Uh, I was wondering how that matchup would go, him against Russ. And not that Rubio is, like, holding his own or, or anything. Like, he's not, like, close to Russell Westbrook, but he's played a lot he's better doing, than I thought.
0: And, and you know what? It's weird because his style of game like it's an evolution of how we knew Ricky Rubio as the young kid in Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. He's taken the skill set that he has and he's adapted for today's NBA as well.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. As much as we talked about Bledsoe not adapting, Ricky Rubio now has a three-point shot. You know, like he yeah. he's not knocking it down like at a crazy Consid- clip yeah. or anything, but I mean, you can't just leave him wide open like you could earlier on in his career when he was in uh Minnesota and Speaking of shade, we talked a little bit earlier about Twitter shade, what's going on there, but someone wrote, I think it was Michael's Michael Lee, maybe might have tweeted out that Ricky Rub- Ricky Rubio got a playoff win before the Timberwolves did, and Donovan <laughs> Mitchell put like the emoji where like your mouth is zipped up, not saying anything, you know.
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> I liked that tweet. I thought that was really funny, but it it's really interesting to see, man, guys that's what the cool thing is about the playoffs, right? I think I think it's a great it's a great opportunity to see that as much as stats can tell you, right? You can't there's certain things you will never be able to quantify. And that is guts and heart and how much dudes have that extra gear they can go to because it's playoff time, right? That's what's been so cool to see so far and this series I think is going to go long. This is going to go at least 6 games. OKC has a talent, but when their shots aren't falling, you know the way that the Jazz play—they play such a solid and consistent way that they're not going to get blown out in any game. They're going to keep it close. And last game, Melo was bad. I know I said Melo. I was, was going to say, speaking, was
0: bad. I know, I know you were saying, you know, uh, shots falling. So we're not talking about Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> he, he, was just,
1: he was bad.
0: He was bad. He. He just fell off a cliff the last like two or three months, man.
1: Here's here's the thing, right? I think with Russ and Paul George, right, those guys got to go every night. And and I always use the example of because I feel like all these newly formed super teams, right? I use the the example of the Miami Heat super team, right? Because I don't think the way that Boston, the Celtics team, was put together was different. Because KG was like an inside guy, Paul Pierce was like the go-getter, and Ray Allen was a sharpshooter, right? So they kind of like had pieces that fit, whereas with the Miami Heat big three and even Golden State, and now what you're seeing, I know it's weird to call. I know we're still looking at the Thunder as a big three, even though it's not really a big three. But my point here is that with these guys and how these guys have to play, you have to look at that Miami team. And really what it was was LeBron and Wade were beast mode every night. Two of those guys had to get like 30 each night for them to succeed in the playoffs. Like that's just the way that your team is constructed when you have, you know, that top tier of talent, you know, that high end of talent at the, at, you know, the, the top of your team, right? Like those two guys got to go for 30. And so when they're not doing that and Melo isn't just hitting open shots, you know, like you're going to lose games. It's just that simple.
0: It's so funny that this team has just been searching for as long as I can remember for anybody, anybody that they can find to knock down a corner three.
1: Yeah. if I feel like if I remember – because if I go back, right? So that first – the Miami Heat team, uh, for people that don't remember – I know Webby will remember this. I used to produce a segment on the score called the Heat Check, right? And <laughs> it, it was it's like – <laughs> No, but the reason why this is stuck in my head is because I remember, I'm trying to remember what the magic number was, but I think it was like 75. And it was basically whatever Wade, LeBron, and Bosh combined for 75 points, the Heat were whatever and whatever. Like that was their magic number. If those three guys got to that number, chances are they won. They won like 90% of their games or whatever it is, right? And I think that's kind of the formula you look at when you think of these big three type teams, right? And so if Paul George and and But
0: no, listen, listen. The Oklahoma City is not a big 3 and they I have know, but to I'm stop.
1: But I'm saying if you if you're getting at least 25 from Russ and Paul George, right? All right. Melo has to do at that point if those two guys are on, Melo's going to be wide open and all you have to do in that instance is knock down open shots. That's that's but more so my him. point, right? Like it's not we've that Melo's going to give you 25. It. It's that you just need a consistent 15 from Melo
0: do you uh, listen, you need a consistent 15 from somebody else, yeah. You know, and, and it's just not coming from, from Mello right now.
1: Yo, you know who they got to play more? Uh, Grant, Jeremy Grant. He looks good, man. He's been playing yeah, really well, and I know that that you could be right, that could be at the expense of Mello. You got to play him more, but he's looked he's just so active, he's so super long, he's a good shooter, he's a good rebounder, think, he's super athletic. Like, it, I think Corey
0: Brewer. Being like a late, late, late season pickup for them has been awesome.
1: Yeah, what a great pickup for them, right?
0: He's been incredible, and he's got to be like—he's getting to be an old man now.
1: Oh yeah, he—he's a great pickup because he came in and just knows his role, right? You, how many times you see him diving on the floor for loose balls, or you know, jumping in probably over someone's back trying to get a rebound? He's in there and I never all those hustle plays.
0: I never remember him being a great like lockdown defender but they needed him to come in and play Robertson's role and he's done incredibly with that.
1: Yeah, like he might not be you're totally right. He might not be like that lockdown defender, but it's not going to be because of hustle. Right? Like he's still going to grind it out. He's still moving hard. He's still trying to make all those key plays. As I said, loose balls or, you know, those those hustle heart plays or what do those Raptors t-shirts say? hustle over hype
0: (laughs) hustle over hype there you go. yeah
1: like that's the that's what we're seeing a lot from Corey Brewer and he fits in perfectly because on a team with Melo and Russ and Paul George you kind of need to have a guy that's just gonna you know he doesn't care about scoring he might score open shots or wide open shots or layups but you need a guy to try to get that extra rebound or try to get that loose ball it's a perfect fit and it worked for Billy Donovan taking one of his old Florida boys, right? The Gator boys. was yeah. that their name?
0: That's right. What do you think? Uh, Joakim Noah?
1: Right. Who, who would have thought that right now Corey Brewer would still be a key part of someone's team, but Joakim Noah wouldn't?
0: Corey Brewer was always the guy that I liked most in those Florida teams. Ah. He was always the guy who was hitting the threes and playing the defense, man, Yeah, for those for, for those two Florida teams. I always thought, I'm I'm glad that he has a long NBA career.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as we move on to that series, I look forward to that series because I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it's not a given that Oklahoma City is going to win because if those other guys, if Paul George isn't playoff P, they lose. Right? Yeah.
0: F- you're, that's pretty much it, right?
1: Yeah. And, and Russ, playoff P is a pretty funny nickname. to, to <laughs> yeah. First off, that is pretty funny. I enjoy Playoff P as a nickname. That's pretty funny.
0: So it's no longer PG thirteen, or I guess it's PG thirteen in the regular season, and then Playoff P in the postseason.
1: Yes, exactly. I also like that Mello and and Russ kind of enjoy like making fun of him. You know what I mean? They're kind of making fun <laughs> yeah. of him about the nickname too. I kind of like that aspect of it. I, I like it. Those guys seem to get along. They seem to like each other.
0: Yeah, that's the that's a good thing. Especially like Russ and P too. Like. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him in the summer.
1: Super interesting to see what happens with them in the summer, especially with all the things, you know, this might shift us perfectly into that Spurs series now because, you know, we're talking about what's going to happen with Paul George in the summer. It looks like the Spurs are about okay. to get swept <laughs> out of the playoffs, but the big storyline going on with them, other than what's going on personally with Greg Popovich, obviously thoughts and prayers go out to Pop and his family for what's going on there. Absolutely. With the big story on the court, well, not really on the court, is Kawhi Leonard, right? And what's going to happen with him in the offseason in San Antonio? Because the story came today that the Lakers are going to make an aggressive push to try to make a trade for Kawhi Leonard in the offseason. And why is that really important? Because if the Lakers trade for Kawhi Leonard, that would mean that they would still have enough money to still try to go out and sign LeBron James and Paul George. Right? So, Oof. if you're talking that your team is Kawhi, Paul George, and LeBron, I don't even know who you have to put around that three, Listen, that's I know, a good team.
0: I know that they would figure it out, but don't those three guys play pretty much the same position?
1: The NBA has no positions anymore, Webby.
0: That's a good point.
1: A good point. <laughs> no positions anymore. Put out your best players and see what happens, right? Uh, what do
0: you're you, absolutely right. What do
1: you think, though, this whole Kawhi Leonard situation, though? Because... He's getting ripped, but not nearly as much as he should be, right? No, I don't think that he should be ripped that bad. I mean, like, yeah, he should be
0: ripped for especially. But here's the thing. We're looking at it like fans. We got to look at it from the athlete's point of view here, mm-hmm. okay? Listen, Kawhi isn't necessarily, a, especially with the Spurs, we think of these Spurs guys as lifers. Guys like Ginobili and Duncan and Parker who've spent their entire careers there and really buy into the system. And even Aldridge last year, something went on where he wasn't necessarily sold and then he came back. Now we've got an aberration with Kawhi Leonard where he's looking out for himself rather than looking out for the Spurs. And I'm not not here to say that he's a bad guy or he's weak for doing this because we just saw it happen with Isaiah Thomas this year, costing himself hundreds of millions of dollars. So if you're Kawhi – and you have it in your head that you want to be 100% healthy to get the max amount of money that you can, listen, I'm, Kawhi's not a dumb guy, okay? He knows that what's happening with the Warriors and the Rockets this year, so the Spurs' outlook on the season, especially with him not being 100%, they weren't going to win an NBA championship.
1: No, I, I, think, so. I think so too, and I think that they're – like, what you just said is totally true. And using the example of Isaiah Thomas is perfect. Why? Because things couldn't have gone worse for Isaiah Thomas in what would have been a contract here, right? So I, yeah, I totally why, get it from if that you're one of the, I think... And Kawhi
0: is quite a bit better than Isaiah Thomas. Oh, definitely, definitely. And if you're one of the best five or six players in the league, you really have to maximize your earning potential. No. And and why is, it, why is it beholden to Kawhi to to put the Spurs first rather than himself.
1: Yeah, I just think, I wonder if there's something that we don't know about that went on behind the scenes, right? Because something has to happen. I feel like regardless of putting yourself ahead of the team or whatever, right? Like, I feel like something had to happen to where you're able to sit in front of all those guys that you've went to wars with, right? Manu and Parker, and you've seen like you've been through it all with those guys in during your career so far, right? And for you to be able to say, yeah, I'm just not right. you know what I mean? like something big had to go on because I don't think it's just as simple as he's not hundred percent, right? Like I think that it might be a thing where, If he really, like, I question whether if he really wanted to play, if he could play or not. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's the biggest thing that I wonder. Like, is it an actual thing where, no, he cannot play? Then cool. Totally fine. Totally understand. Totally, totally understand. Get healthy. Get right. But if you can play, I really want to know what that would be like to sit in front of those dudes, Tony Parker and Manu, and tell them, yeah guys I, i'm just not feeling it i think he yeah. has to know like there has to be something else going on where he knows that he's out in the well that season, could also
0: right? that could also be why he's not showing up is because he doesn't want to have to look those guys in the in the face while while he's dealing with this yeah i think that's but no tough. i don't think i don't think that he'll be a spur next year
1: yeah i mean he'll it, be
0: on this he'll be on the sixers
1: just everyone's going to the Sixers, eh? (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. Why (laughs) go to the Lakers? Come to the Sixers. I
1: heard Windhorse or someone saying, talking about how if they get Kawhi Leonard, there's talk that they might not even need LeBron
0: (laughs) because. But there is a way to get LeBron and Kawhi on the Sixers.
1: Yeah, but there, no, but there's also talk and they were citing a source, obviously, that if they got Kawhi Leonard and they had Kawhi Leonard and Roko, that they probably wouldn't need LeBron because that's, you know, even though it's positionless basketball.
0: Positionless basketball.
1: It's too redundant in terms of, you know, Ben Simmons and Kawhi and Rocco, just in terms of perimeter guys LeBron, to space around. LeBron well. would
0: LeBron would be your third string point guard.
1: <laughs> Imagine that, eh? Imagine that. I mean, the NBA is a crazy place, such a crazy place that even when we're talking about a series in which Golden State's just gonna sweep super easy. <laughs> Right. There's still a storyline. There's still something to talk about. Right.
0: Now, you want to talk about sweeping easy?
1: Oh, wow. Yes. Let's talk about the Houston Rockets,
0: man. Oh, I was going to go Pelicans.
1: Oh, I mean, they're probably going to sweep easy, too. I mean, as we discuss, as we're talking about this right now, it's game three. There's 10 minutes left in the third quarter of this New Orleans and uh portland game and new orleans is up 16 points they already lead the series two nothing and if they do go up three nothing is this the most surprising outcome of the entire first round
0: yeah i mean i thought that this was going to be a seven game series what happened and it's and it's not but what what happened was anthony davis and the other thing is how about the uh the two the two guards for New Orleans out playing Portland's backcourt. I th- playoff Rondo and and Drew Holiday
1: are, are a force to be reckoned with. I th- bring on Clay and Steph, man. <laughs> I think Webby, if you were to go back and listen to last week's podcast, we discussed that the biggest matchup in this series was going to be the backcourt matchup, and we talked about it. You know, don't sleep on Playoff Rondo and Drew Holiday. We talked about it last week, right? That this would be a back-and-forth series. We said it would probably go seven. And obviously, if we're saying something's going to go seven, that definitely means there's we have a lot of confidence in the Pelicans, right? And were we expecting this? No, of course not. I mean, I thought the Blazers would still win in seven. But this is crazy. I'll admit, Drew Holiday is way better than I thought he was. Way better than he gets credit for, I think, league-wide even, no?
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely underrated.
1: What are the parts of his game that you that you like the most? Like, what are you seeing from Drew Holiday?
0: <sighs> as corny as this sounds, mm-hmm. and as you know, unstatistical as it is, I never thought that Drew Holiday would come with the big playoff nuts.
1: <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I totally, I but totally he's, get
0: that. He looks ready for the moment, man. And this was somebody mm-hmm. that like. Listen, as a Sixers fan, I, I watched Drew Holiday play for us, and I, I liked him as a guard, and I thought he was solid, you know? Yeah. But he has transformed his game. and Like, I guess he's a little bit bigger, a little bit more solid, but, man, he can hit the open shot. He's playing good D. He's a perfect complement. His skill set is a perfect complement to play with that pick-and-roll, uh, Rondo, Anthony Davis connection. To have a guy like that that you can trust on the wing – Uh, and to be a great two guard is exactly what you need in that situation.
1: And you know what's crazy, right? I alluded to it a little earlier, right? Because we were talking about how, obviously, in all sports now, the wave is talking about analytics and stats, and I dare people to find the statistical measure that would have pointed to Drew Holiday and Rondo being able to outplay McCollum and Dame Willard, right? There's nothing more than that than just, playoff rondo experience right and will and you're right it's not you said it was it might sound cheesy but I think you're totally right just the will and determination of Drew Holiday to embrace that matchup like yeah I'll take Dame Lillard Dame Lillard is one of the top point guards in the league right Dame Lillard for a while that MVP but exactly. And so you don't think that Drew Holiday was hearing all that talk leading into this about, you know, you don't think Rondo's just like in his ear, gassing him up, gassing up AD. Like Rondo's been through playoff battles, he's been through everything, right? And you don't think that Drew Holiday wasn't ready for this matchup? Like, it's crazy what that backcourt is doing to Lillard and McCullum, who have struggled for now three games. And it's a far, far cry from what we saw during the regular season, but at the same time, Drew Holiday is a great defender, and there's talk of Drew Holiday being on like, the all-defensive team, which is, again, something that defense is tough to measure, but you know, it's not really something that gets bigged up a lot, no?
0: Absolutely. But it's what you need when it comes to postseason time.
1: Definitely what you need. And, I mean, you look at Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard has he has yet to crack the 20-point mark in three games. And I know that this game's not over yet. They're still in the third quarter. He's only at 12. But they only
0: have 50 points.
1: Yeah, right? I mean, this is not going well at all for the Portland Trailblazers. But I feel like you said, you said last week during the podcast that, you know, the lower seeds did have a shot. And you pointed to the, the, the Pels as being like, well – Anthony Davis, we know, is probably the best player in the series, and so if Rondo and Holiday can make up the difference, <laughs> they're in business. And I think they've done more than than they've kind done of close more that than game. that. Yeah, absolutely. What a series! It's been such great. Like the first two games, anyways, were close. Like they were closer games. It was just right down to the wire. Holiday had that great block at the end of I think it was game one to seal that one, but. A blowout win in game three as they come back home. If imagine that, like imagine the the Pels and the Golden State Warriors just resting. That is crazy. But I wonder here, Webby, would they be doing this with Boogie? Ooh. Like I, I Yeah. I don't know you know the what answer. they would probably
0: uh, to be honest, like if they had Boogie, I mean, the way that they were playing and the way that Davis kind of transformed, who's to say that the seeds wouldn't be flip flopped? Mm-hmm. That they wouldn't be the three seed in the West.
1: True, very true. Yeah, I feel bad for Boogie Man. I wonder. We we were just talking about the off season. I wonder how. Just how I wonder how this will play out in the off as well. Because Boogie, will he stay in New Orleans? You know, like will them making this kind of if they win around without him, you know, is is he gonna feel? A closer bond to these guys like you know man if i was there maybe we make the conference finals and so he'll want to play it out or will the lure of you know maybe playing teaming up with lebron or teaming up with paul george will that lead right. him away i don't know i i can't wait to see how this offseason is gonna be so lit it's gonna be not and the playoffs yeah. are still lit right uh one thing that's not lit or someone who's not lit <laughs> the timberwolves what I, wow
0: Wow, wow, wow. Well, no, Ed, I don't think we can get too surprised about this. I mean, this is the same kind of thing as the Warriors and or sorry, the Wizards and the Raptors. It's like you've got this team that's getting an 8 seed that is playing completely into their strength. Okay. So, like for me the the, the T-Wolves are a nice team. I really like I really like Jimmy Butler, but that's not a team that's going to put the work on the Rockets.
1: So, are you surprised though that Cat has thirteen points over two games, like thirteen points well, total <laughs> over not, two games?
0: Absolutely. I mean, th- th- I was reading about his usage rate today. Uh, he and Butler's usage rates are way down, where guys like Tyus Jones and Jeff Teague's are way up, and
1: Jeff and, and, guys- uh, and uh, Derrick Rose.
0: Yeah, and Derrick Rose. And that's not how you're going to beat
1: the Rockets, man. Yeah, not a chance. It's, yeah, you can't be trotting out Derrick Rose. And Chris Paul looks like he's on the N1 mixtape tour with some of the stuff that he's pulling in those games, right? Like, it's crazy what's been going on with the, the Rockets. Like, they – it's like they figured out in last night's game, they figured out that they have to be them, right? And what I mean by that is they weren't playing with as much pace in game one They weren't playing with nearly as much pace in Game 1 as they were in Game 2 in terms of just getting up and down, spreading it out, shooting their threes. James Harden didn't even really do that much, really, right? It wasn't even James Harden. James Harden had 12 points. I think he was like 2 for 18 in that game. It was really everyone else splashing shots. Even uh, uh, I know one of your favorite bench players in mine, Gerald Green, right?
0: Oh, of course. Pogo sticks for legs. But he's transformed into a really nice bench piece for them because he can hit the open three.
1: Yeah, again, you know, it's one of those things we were just talking about in terms of you know certain people. The NBA completely flipped within two years in terms of style of play, right? So you know, if Gerald Green two years ago he was just a, a huge, he was just a straight scorer, right? But he could shoot threes. Now you, how important are those athletic swing three and D guys? If you're super athletic, you can play defense, right? So he can already score. You take that shot out. You start to be able to knock down a three-pointer. Okay, cool. Now how super valuable is Gerald Green in the NBA as opposed to, you know, D. Wade kind of not only has he gotten less athletic, but now you're playing mid-range game and that game doesn't really fit in today's NBA, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what we were talking about.
1: Super interesting stuff, Webby, but overall in the playoffs, let me ask you, Webby, who who other – and I'm going to exclude the Sixers from this because I know, <laughs> know you go – TJ McConnell. <laughs> I know you'd go somewhat with the Sixers, but what is the thing so far of these playoffs that you've been enjoying the most?
0: I, okay, I'll tell you what I've been enjoying. I've been enjoying the intensity to which these games are being played, and I'm enjoying the rivalries that are forming. Uh, now I, I'm sorry I got to bring it up, but I, I've, the Sixers and the and the Heat is forming into a really nice hard rivalry.
1: You're right, you're right about that. I'll allow the Sixers talk there because I agree with you. Seeing the chippiness, U- seeing Utah,
0: the... Utah, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma City as well. That's developing into a really nice yeah. rivalry.
1: Yeah, that will be a solid series for sure. But did I see James Johnson tonight? He was drawing with someone. Was it Simmons? <laughs> And it, it looked like he was no, saying was, to him, like, don't do that. Don't do that. This is basketball. Don't do that. Like, that's what yeah. it looked like he was saying. I got to go back to, to Twitter and see if that's what I saw. But I mean, to be honest, I was watching the Leaf game and I feel like I caught it out of the corner of my eye on the second screen I had up. Yo, that had the basketball the- game on.
0: Not only that, but he pulled the Larry Bird. He threw up the uh, corner three, and he turned around to, uh, I think it was Saric and the Sixers bench and said something as he let go of the ball, and it splashed him for three. (laughs) It was cold-blooded as
1: shit. Right? I love that. I love when things get testy in the playoffs because it's super exciting, super fun. Uh, Speaking of, you know, something I thought I caught out of the corner of my eye, that also happened during the Raptors game, too. And what it was was at one point oh, when Embraes running up the court, I'm like, did Drake just call him a bum? Yeah, <laughs> and then it's all over social media.
0: That's what I was saying. Like, that's a good. That's getting to be a good rivalry, and the that Celtics uh, Bucks with Rogier and uh, and Bledsoe. Like these teams. Like some of these. Listen, some of these series aren't very competitive, as we're seeing a lot in the West, mm-hmm. and with a couple of them in the East. But man, it doesn't mean that these guys aren't playing hard and talking shit on each other and that's what we want to see in the
1: playoffs for sure and I mean once you're matched up against the same guy and you've been watching film you've been hearing him talk or someone has a good game against you and then you got to watch their post game because it's all over Instagram <laughs> or it's all over the place you know what I mean like you're gonna get annoying like those things that really anger you but you don't have to see that guy for another month or whatever no 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 no. now you got to see him two days later for 40 minutes right and it's going to be real annoying and some guys thrive off that because that's you know james johnson might not be as good as ben simmons but he, he's going to use the advantages he does have and try to body get him his and head, get in his yeah. head and be the tough guy right
0: yeah it's all you got to do is win that mental game right
1: i love the nba playoffs webby but anything else you got that you want to you want to throw out there
0: Man, no, I'm just ready for another weekend. I'm ready for the second round to start. I'm ready for the Sixers to continue their run to the NBA Finals. I
1: like it. Uh, did you catch Atlanta last week? Speaking uh, of, drinks, Yeah, I did. Speaking of, drinks, Yes, drink. I did catch
0: Atlanta last <laughs> week. It's fantastic. That's Again, like, uh, we say it every week. It's like you never know where they're going to go with the show, but I'm always happy uh, with the result. And, listen, you and I, big Darius fans, and when she is uh, when she is at the party – and uh on the edibles yeah uh and then darius just shows up (laughs) that was the best
1: it was so perfect right it was so perfect such a good episode again and i think they do such a good job we talk about it each and every week of taking real life situations and kind of making a mockery of it but like still keeping the real elements so because and people don't know like that stuff about, you know, oh, there's a party at this mansion. Oh, yeah. And the girls meet meet at a certain location and they bus in girls so that people don't know where the location is, right? Like, that's a thing that really happens, right? Yeah. That's a thing that honestly happens and even I'll tell people like, this happened during All-Star Weekend in Toronto, right? Like, they rented out a mansion and that's where the party was and, I mean, I did not attend said party, but I did hear some interesting stories about, like, what was going on at said parties. And there might've been, (laughs) there might've been like a, a pillow fighting room, which I'll just, (laughs) I'll just end it there. But (laughs) We'll let you know what's going on in that room. If you know what I'm saying. Right. But it was just so funny how they take these things and turn them into full episodes and how they're able to just take one character from a great cast and build a whole entire episode about this one character that isn't even really a central character or not one of the yeah. main characters quote unquote right
0: and the writing's so great and that like i don't think we've met van's friends but we, we've met a couple of van's friends before but these were like new ones right yeah
1: this was a new crew of friends and it was it was funny just and all you the new every single you knew every single thing about them
0: oh, without yeah. having any backstory they were like real fleshed out characters it was it was awesome
1: yes because they they did you're right about the writing and you didn't have to know who these girls were in the television show but I think you have a friend or you know a girl that's exactly like that girl like they're replicating yeah. like a crew of of friends right you had one friend who was like the the you don't want to say stuck up Stoner. one, but the, the clean one, right? That's like, no, 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 I don't want to drink or I don't want to take this edible. I don't want to do drugs. or I don't want to, you know, the clean cut friend, you know, then you have right. the other friend that always has the end to some parties because she has a hookup with some guy that she's just dragging along for the hookup. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it was just so fun. It was, it was such a fun episode. Such a fun ride. Good stuff. Right.
0: Uh, fantastic I can't wait to watch tonight
1: Uh, I'm going to say this Webby Billions is going to turn into our uh, uh, I was about to say Kevin Dillon for some reason but I meant (laughs) to say Matt Dillon in terms of uh, sorry, but we ran out of time on this episode. <laughs> right? The whole Jimmy Kimmel bit, where we ran out of time for um for Matt Dillon. Oh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Wow, that's why. What am I doing? I blew the joke. I got the guy's Matt name Dillon wrong. Matt, Matt Dillon and
0: Matt Damon. Jeez, two different. What do we all look alike to you? Do we all look alike to you, <laughs> Shelly?
1: Wow. Every uh, white guy look alike. Oh, man, Matt Dillon. Poor Matt Damon. I'm sorry that I gave him. Wow,
0: (laughs) Matt Dillon is doing a fist pump somewhere.
1: (laughs) How did I do that? That's amazing. That is so good, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, what was the last thing Matt Dillon was in?
0: Okay, hold on. Let me think. The only one that I can think of that really comes to mind is
1: something about Mary. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. Wow, Matt Damon. Wow. The Jimmy Kimmel bit. I guess we'll talk about Billions next week. We ran out of yeah, time. Yeah, no, no,
0: no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I didn't watch last week's. I didn't watch last week's, but I'm sure I'll have unkind things to say Yo, as soon as they get caught on, up. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: Honestly, I'll tell you that last week's episode was amazing for one reason and one reason only. Chuck okay. Sr. is the best. Okay. That's all okay. I'm gonna say. <laughs> and people that if you watch billions and you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, you need to watch this episode just because okay. I'm telling you that Chuck Sr. is the motherfucking man. That's all I'll say. All right. Please uh, watch I, this like
0: episode. I say, I'm I'm in on the hate watch, so I'm in.
1: For sure. But uh we ran out of time for billions. We ran out of time for Matt Dylan and Matt Damon.
0: And Matt Damon. <laughs>
1: But we didn't run out of time for the NBA, so we'll be back next week, of course. But until Hopefully then. We
0: will have some second round uh, matchup set.
1: For sure. Uh, but until then, if you want to hit us up on social media to, you know, let us know what you think of the series as they're going along. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander.
0: And of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AWebster84. Holler at me.
1: And as always, this is the Ball on Blast podcast, part of the On Blast podcast network. And we are always unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast
0: network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. On blast.